0: Hey, folks, how you doing? It is your host, Jason Coral, the author and, uh, yeah, Bible teacher and uh, self-defense guy and all that. Uh, You know, before we get started, I just want to say again by way of introduction, if you haven't heard this podcast before, I want to respect your time. I know everybody's busy. We jump right into this. And you know, I, don't, I, I know it can be a form of entertainment, but it's more a form of you know, edification. You're looking for information that you need and you're thinking, man, this needs to be practical. And the whole point about whatsoever is true is that the Bible is practical. I mean, the, the principles of scripture are absolutely practical. We absolutely need them. And we need to learn how to live by them, okay? And that's, that's the big deal here. And so that's why I just jump right into it. We're well, like Mike Tyson in his heyday, in his prime, walking into the ring. You know, he'd make his ring walk. He'd come down with no towel, no robe, nothing. Just he had his gloves, his trunks, his, his sneakers. That's it, and he was ready to go. And so that's what we're doing. We're ready to go. So today, what is the greatest danger in your life right now? I don't know what you're doing. you could be driving. You could be, you know, hanging out, <clears throat> sitting there trying to get, get some quiet time and. And uh, you know, I'm honored that you're listening listen to this podcast. Well, you could be out, I don't know, mowing the lawn. I don't know what you're doing. But what's the greatest danger for you? As a Christian, what is the greatest danger for you in this world? Is it, is it a, a, a president? Is it an army? Is it a bad guy? Is it, uh, you know, what is it? Well, fortunately, the Bible answers the question for us. So the, the real issue for, for Christian living right now In America is is well unchristian living being conformed to this world that goes back to Romans 12 after 11 great chapters of really deep theology Romans 12 goes and changes gears and says all right this is what you're not supposed to do you know present your body as a living sacrifice in other words present your entire life to God as a living sacrifice you know this is your reasonable worship and that means that everything you do should be guided by the Lord well how do you do that well you have to look at scripture Take the principles of Scripture, apply them to the particulars of your life, and don't be conformed to this world. Now, that's the key. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The renewal of your mind is something that, as Christians, we have going on incessantly because in the flesh, we're going to be always veering off the road. You know, it's kind of like you're driving down the road. You've got to keep your hand on the wheel, and certain roads are worse than others, right? Right? Certain roads, the the road pulls you more. The it's not paved as well. There's more potholes and so forth. But you'd never think of just taking your hand off the wheel. Keep your hand on the wheel. And in this regard, I want to read, and I'm going to read a large section from Second Peter, and it's chapter two. And I'm going to pick up with, with Second uh, Peter chapter two, kind of the middle of the chapter, as we're moving towards Peter's talking about false teachers. And it's something that's very important. Now, the seminal verse is going to be verse 19. That they promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. So, that's going to be the key point. The, the, the centralizing principle of, of this whole message. About not being conformed to this world and the dangers therein. Now... A little bit of a backstory here is that some people in, in, in the modern church don't like to talk about how dangerous worldly thinking is. And they're afraid of being classified as a fundamentalist. Well, I'm a fundamentalist. And I'm, I think I put the fun in fundamentalism. <laughs> but seriously, you, you don't want to let the world define your terms. You don't want to let the Bible define your terms. Now, when I say this, we are simply stating that. You cannot, and nor should you, Jesus is clear in in his high priestly prayer, that he doesn't pull the believers out of the world, but that they're kept from the evil one. We're walking through this world, and we're in a war zone of spiritual battles. That is a big point, and we need to be very clear on this. The battle is of the mind. The battle is your heart commitment. And the Bible uses the word heart. It doesn't mean your emotional system devoid of reason. And what it means is that what, is, what do you really believe and what principles are you living by? We, we all have those ultimate heart, mind commitments. And so ungodly counsel is going to tell us to think of the world in non-biblical terms. And in this case, they promised them freedom. But they themselves are slaves of corruption. So let's look at this as a, in a little bit more expanded uh, verse here. And we're, gonna, we're going to pick this up in verses, uh, uh, like, around right, verse 10 and a half here. Okay, 10b. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Where, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters which they are ignorant, of which they're ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction. Suffering wrong as the wage of their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime, or revel in daytime. and they're partying, they're not paying attention to to uh, personal discipline and and self-control and and things of that nature. So they revel in the daytime, they are blasts and blemishes reviling in their deceptions, or I'm sorry, reveling in their deceptions. While they feast with you, they have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. Accursed children forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. Now, the Bible then says, you know, they have gone in the way of uh, Balaam. Now, Balaam, in, in Jewish exegetical tradition, he's really a symbol of greed. And what greed did to him is, will do to us. We need to be scared of sin. We need to be worried about it. So, uh, you know, so who love gain from wrongdoing. We need to be very careful for that because that's a very easy way that love of the world creeps in. We begin to make moral compromises for, for money. And that's obviously a huge problem. Uh, but he was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. That's probably a little a little sarcasm, maybe you know irony here that that Peter's using to say that you know here's this great prophet and this and this donkey has to correct him and uh, the Bible has a wonderful sense of humor. But the problem is is we don't always get the joke because the joke's always on us you know uh, dave Dave Chappelle consistently <laughs> He consistently does just jokes where he just turns it around on the, on the, uh, the audience, and it can sometimes be uncomfortable. I think that's part of the man's brilliance. I'm not condoning a, a lot of the language and, and everything that the man says. However, you know, it is it is a very he, he's a very rare comedian today where he doesn't mind going after some of the sacred cows. Well, the Bible is always going after the sacred cow of humanism, always, and so that's why we don't think we get that joke of saying you know speechless donkey had to correct this guy, and. That should be humbling for all of us. Anyway, these are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. That's verse 17. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. And here's our verse again, verse 19, 2 Peter, chapter 2. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person to that, he is enslaved. Um, and then it says verse 20 for if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ they are again entangled in them and overcome the last state has been has become uh, worse for them than the first for it would have been better for them to never have known the way of righteousness than knowing it and turn back now I'm not going to get into uh, you know the once saved always saved <clears throat> anything like that excuse me but he finishes with in verse 22, what the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to his own vomit. Uh, and that's where we're at with something like that, where a lot of people come in and, you know, of course, by our fruits you'll know us, right? <clears throat> by our fruits you'll know them. And Christians are called out of the world. And that doesn't mean, again, that you have to leave your job and you stop watching uh, the ball game. And that's not what that means. What it means is that you're called out of a reliance upon. The world's philosophy of calling calling you out from the desire to have the world on your own terms, not the Lord. And the way it does it, as you see in those verses, is that it's appealing to you through greed and sensual passions. And a lot of people reject Christianity not on any intellectual grounds because there are no intellectual grounds to reject Christianity because it's the only true logical faith, the only true logical system of thought, philosophy. Everything else has massive holes in its its intellectual armor, in its its worldview. They can't be applied consistently with the facts of reality. For example, I give you one big thing that happens in the world today where our young young are in, in particular impacted by this. You're told consistently that there is no absolute truth. And But then, you have to find your own truth. Everybody has to find their own way. And that's, that's, that's the mantra, right? You gotta go find your own truth. Well, those two thoughts are contradictory in the extreme. They're mutually exclusive. And yet, the average American walking around, the average Westerner, is walking around with that in their head at the same time. There is no absolute truth, but you have to find your own truth. Wait, wait a minute, so you just told me there is no absolute truth, that's an absolute statement have to find my own truth. You know that's true. How'd you find that truth? And isn't that imposing that truth on me? Even though you said there is no absolute truth, didn't she just present that as an absolute truth? See, the, the, it's impossible to make sense of that. And you, and you wonder why people, especially you know, young people, are depressed. You wonder that that's flat out secular humanism in a nutshell. All right, here's another great lie of the day. And I've done other podcasts on some of the great lies, and I could just continue to do every podcast for the rest of my life every day on lies the world will tell you and not run out of material. Because John eight forty four the devil is a liar and a liar from the beginning. And if you're not paying attention and you're not worried about sin and lies, do you know why? That's because you're probably caught in them yourself and you don't care because you don't want to know the truth. Here's another another big one. Ready? They'll say that, Your happiness is your highest good. I hear parents say this about their kids all the time. I just want my child to be happy. Oh, happy. And it it has a ring in it of something noble. But that is a pathway to hedonism. What you're telling your child is that their personal happiness, of which they evaluate on their own terms, according to their own judgment, their own philosophy, is their highest good in life. And anything that, that, that... Frustrates that, much less you know, circumvents it or impedes it, is going to be evil. Therefore, so you see where that's going, right? You're telling if you're if you're a young person listening to this, maybe I don't know, maybe you're looking at the world and going, how does this world make sense? Please hear this one this one point. The world system is always teaching you. Now I'm clearly an evangelist and an apologist. In other words, I, I, I preach the gospel and then I defend it as an apologist. I'm making a reasoned defense for it over against all of the world's systems. That's really my, my bag here. That's the whole purpose of whatsoever is true. Your soul is on the line. And the gateway to that is your ideas. The things that you hold to be true, you're going to act on those things. So in this case, remember, the first thing is the principle of autonomy. And autonomy is a big word for self-law, self-rule. Is that your default setting as a sinner and then because of the secular education system, the secular media, secular big tech, all of that stuff, conspires to, to teach you that your mind is the final standard of, of appeal, the final court of appeal. That is the default setting everywhere. I've actually had people say to me, well, I don't need, to, I don't need a book to tell me what to think and what to believe. And, and of course, I, I always kind of jokingly say, well, what book did you read that in? Right? Everybody has an authority that they are going to appeal to. Now in this case, when they tell you that your happiness is your highest good and so on and so on, they're telling you and they're selling you a philosophy called hedonism. That pleasure is the highest good. Whatever is pleasurable is what you should be seeking. Now you can pace yourself in your hedonism, right? You can pace yourself, which is another form of, of, and I'm not going to get too much into Greek philosophy here, but that's another form of, 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 of hedonism. It's a higher class hedonism. Instead of passing out drunk because you drank too much vodka, you're sipping the finest wines, and you're very you're very high class. You wear the best clothes. You you know you're you're, you're still a pleasure seeker. You have the best cars. Now, <clears throat> most people, unfortunately, there, there's not as many uh, Epicureans as there are hedonists because the former requires a lot more money and wealth so you have to you have to take that into consideration you can only pursue so much wealth and it, or, uh pleasure because it does cost stuff it costs a lot of money and time <clears throat> so that being said remember that's the first gateway the set the second gateway is it's going to promise you pleasure and that's what the whole passage there of second peter is doing there's false prophets the false teachers whether they're a university professor, a a a school teacher, and I'm sure there are great ones out there, but what I'm talking about is the norm here. We all know that the normal, average, everyday school teacher in America, elementary, middle school, high school, is not teaching Jesus Christ as Lord. You can go to a secular school, and you're going to find, and even there, you're not going to find as many as you should. Unfortunately, that's a tragedy. But we all know that there are very fine people in there. There are many fine Christian teachers still smuggling their way into the, into the secular school system. But the, the majority report and the ruler of that school, the prince of the power of the air, has that whole institution. They're not telling children that Jesus Christ is, is the first, the last, the Alpha, the Omega. They're not. They're saying you are. You have to get it all in your life, which then brings me to this other thing. You, you, ever, you ever think of the, the issue of the midlife crisis? A midlife crisis hits somebody, and I, I guess I, I fit into that category for you know, my age right now. You hit that category because you're realizing I'm not going to ever have it all. There's no longer time for me to lie to myself that I can have it all. You know, Because I go, well, my happiness is my house good. And then you run into, as you get older, go, wait a minute, I wanted to go here. I wanted to go to Italy one day. I wanted to go to, I wanted to sail the earth. I wanted to you begin to realize that I can't do all of that stuff. And you kind of panic. Now again, it's still operating from a premise of worldliness. Uh, while you have like people having affairs, committing you know, adultery, all the fornication that's out there, all the hookup culture, all of that is is part and parcel. Those are derivative aspects. Those are applications of the primary principle that you are your own highest good, and you need to be happy. And then it will define it in any, in any way that it should be defined as that you need to glorify the Lord and know the Lord. And you have the joy of the Holy Spirit in you. That's the answer to it. And then you have wonderful relationships, whether they be in, in, in marriage, with your children, friends. You have godly relationships based on godly principles. And then you go to work for things that are godly, using the talents the Lord has given you in the, in the manner that He's given you. I mean, where are you at in your circumstances? God is sovereign. And so wherever you're at, you can do the Lord's work. You can be a godly FedEx driver. You can be a godly UPS man. Um, <clears throat> you can be a, a a godly you know basketball coach at a, at a high school. Anything you do, you do it for the glory of God. However seemingly meager and that kind of that, that that's the sort of thing that keeps coming after us is that it's not important, but it is. No, Present your body as a living sacrifice. Anything that you do. Let's say you're driving down the road, you listen to this, you take, a great sip of, you take a sip of great coffee and you think to yourself, man, Lord, this is great coffee. What a beautiful day. That's worship, my friend. That's worship. I'm not telling you not to go to church and worship, but I am saying that's worship. The entire earth is the Lord's temple. You want to gaze upon his beauty? Look at nature and imbibe and, and, and of the awe and, and, the, and the eternal power that's clearly perceived through nature of God. That's worship. That's, that's your spiritual worship. And in anything you do, submit to the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding, but think, you know, how does this glorify the Lord? How is this godly? And then separate yourself from sin. We know what they are. You know, drunkenness, fornication, adultery, uh, you know, greed, maliciousness, slander. Those, those are clearly sins. Now what happens again is that the devil comes in, switches our allegiance. We begin to think in terms of our, our you know, two internal of what do I want, right? What do I want in a sense of the flesh? And then you begin to make little compromises, and that's the biggest danger for 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 Christians. It's but it's very easy to overcome if you stay in the Word and you keep and you stay prayerful and you stay around other Christian influences. There is no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. We all we all need to be involved in. You know, podcasts like this, there's a great technology. You know, this technology that we have today can can teach you a lot of bad things. It can lead you into looking at things you shouldn't look at that are worthless. You know, keep back your servant from looking at worthless things. Keep my eyes from worthless things. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Rely on the Lord and stay in, stay in the Lord. And you can use the modern technologies. In, in, in ways that are, just boggle the mind. I mean, you right now have the ability to have one of the greatest seminary degrees in the history of the world simply by all the Bible material that's on the Internet and in podcasts and so forth. I wholeheartedly recommend that and be disciplined with it. But obviously, like I said, they're going to tell you that you, you're ultimately, you're metaphysically free, and, but you become a slave to sin. In Romans 5, what fruit were you getting? Of the from those things of which you're now ashamed if you remember the, the sinful nature that that you've been saved out of so don't play with that don't flirt with it don't try to have one foot in both worlds be fully in be all in go hey the word of the lord is the word of the lord and i love the lord and he is my god i am a slave to god and we hate that language because the, the word slave brings with it a lot of a lot of incendiary uh, political ethical issues but In the the biblical sense, being a slave of the Most High God is a beautiful thing. Be a servant of the Lord. He calls us friends. You know, we get to call him Daddy, Abba, Father. That's an amazing thing. Would you trade that in? Would you grieve the Holy Spirit because you're going to dabble in this sin or that? So this is the key. Last thing I'm going to say about this. and Then I'll I'll turn you back to whatever it was you were doing. You can finish mowing the lawn (laughs) or whatever you are doing. Cleaning the kitchen, doing the dishes. is that the more you imbibe and breathe in the, the sweet aroma of the word of the Lord and the, and the principles of scripture, and, 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 and then meditate on those things, the, the less and less your heart will be inclined to the world's wisdom. Because the world is always enticing you, as I said, and it's promising you freedom. But that freedom is in sin, it's in fleshly pleasures, it's in greed. That's how it always runs out. So it takes those things that uh, you know, marital sex is wonderful. Non-marital sex, no. Making money because you're you're working hard and you're you're diligent and you're, you're you're honestly trying to serve people in a win-win scenario, beautiful. That's blessed. Just trying to gain money for the sake of it, and, and no matter what you do, no matter how you get it, no matter how many people you 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 end up uh, betraying, well, that's not good, and we know that. So let the Lord let the Lord guide you. Let the Lord take care of the consequences of the actions that you take in His Scripture through those principles, and that will make straight your paths. So, all of that said, hope you enjoyed this. Hope you were edified by it. That's always my, that's always my prayer. And I pray that the Lord blesses you and continues to lead you in a path of righteousness for His name's sake, and you continue to bear fruit for the Spirit. And once again, you you don't have to go out and and uh, convert ten thousand people by doing a sermon someplace that's maybe that the lord has that for you praise god for that but for the most part for for all of us to simply live a godly life quietly going about our business and praising him no matter what you're doing if you just stop right now and just look around and go man lord thank you for this thank you for whatever it is you have at your hand thank you for work you know thank you Lord, for where I am right now, my home, the heat I have, or the air conditioning, whatever, whatever it is you are, those are godly things. And that is the sort of thing that, that the, the Christian life will, will will fill you with joy, will fill you with, with peace, and it'll be non-contradictory joy. It won't be a it won't be a fleshly pleasure that that has with the price tag great guilt and shame. Remember, slaves of sin end up debased, they end up degraded, always. So with all of that said, uh, thank you again for listening. Don't forget to check out the blog, whatsoeveristrue.com. Lots of material on there. I write way too much, and uh, hopefully that will be edifying as well. Catch you guys next time.